edify means to enlighten, encourage, and uplift individuals, intellectually, morally, and spiritually. That's exactly what our Edify podcast guests do, as they share practical wisdom on living our faith in public. I'm Mary Fiorito. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Edify podcast. Our guest today is Jeff Cavins, one of the most effective and engaging speakers in the church. Welcome, Jeff. Good to be here. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, look it's forward good. to it. We have not seen each other in a long time, and listeners, in uh, the interest of full disclosure, Jeff and I are longtime friends. Mm-hmm. We go back a long time. So I was sitting watching the television news, which I don't do often in March, and all of a sudden, CBS National News pops on, and there is Jeff Cavins with a story about your, your podcast yeah. that you do with Father Mike Schmitz. 238 million downloads and counting. You were the number one Apple podcast for that particular month, I think it was, but outdoing every other big name podcast was the Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz. And there there you were reading it. And so it was a news story on the National Secular News about why this was such, you know, a huge um, hit with, with podcast listeners. What do you think, you know, you know, propelled you to the top of the charts. Well, thanks for bringing it up. It it, it stumped people, and it stumped us. You know, yeah, the CBS News was certainly stumped. They had they to do were, a whole story to find out why anyone would be interested. They in, were in a curious Bible more of how'd you do it. Mm. You know, because they thought there was some secret sauce or something like that. Right. But it stumped us as well, Mary, because we, you know, when we put it together, the idea was. Uh, well, let's just take the Great Adventure Bible study, which is a narrative approach to the whole story of the right, Bible. Right, that you developed. Yeah, with and let's just yeah. stretch it out. Right. It was a three-month program. Let's stretch it out for the whole year, and mm-hmm. let's read it and give a little comment here and there, and then I will act as a trail guide, and I'll keep people on track, make sure you don't get lost, and and we'll go through it. It'll be, it'll be cute. It'll be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so th- we were working on that in October of 2020 for a launch in January mm-hmm. of 2021. Well, when uh, January 1st came around, I'll be totally honest with you, I completely forgot. I forgot we were launching. Mm-hmm. And we had been taping, but I forgot we were launching. And I totally ignored it. And it was on the, I think, January 2nd or 3rd, my producer called. And I said, uh, she said, are you sitting down? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? She said, uh, you're number one in the country. And I said, number one, what? <laughs> I didn't, didn't even make <laughs> the association. Oh, that's great. You know, and, I, yeah. and she said, podcasts. And at first, selfishly, I'm thinking, mine? Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. You did realize the one that you were doing. Yeah, I was kind of joking. Father but, Schmitz. Yeah. But I, I, said, I said, mine? She goes, no, Bible in a year is number one. Right. And I said, oh, wow. Number one, like in the, in the religion, you know, category. She said, no, Jeff, everything. It's number one in the country. Wow. And I said, as Father did, you got to be kidding. And yeah. so I quickly got on the computer. I went to Apple. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We're number one wow. in the country. And we stayed at number one for, I believe, don't quote me, but I believe it was 17 days we were number one. So this is like at the beginning of the year, everybody has their New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And obviously, a lot of people you know, must have decided, I'm going to try to read the Bible this year. I'm going to try to do the whole thing. Every time I have ever tried to do that, you know, I've gotten those study Bibles where you do the whole Bible in the year. Right. You know, like halfway through Numbers... I just give up. I can't sure. do it. How did you handle those sections of scripture that generally for people are kind of tough to get through yeah. because there's no storyline. It's it, right. it seems like there's no storyline. Well, what I did years ago when I built the Great Adventure in the Bible timeline was I 
I knew that if you're going to read from Genesis to Revelation, you are going to hit Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And Leviticus is where people usually quit. So they start in January. They're all excited, you know, Genesis. And they've got creation and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Donny Osmond, you know, Joseph. And then they end up, uh, that's January. And then February, they're in the Exodus. And March, they quit because they're in Leviticus. They lost the story. So when I developed it, I basically was up front and said, Let's forget Leviticus. Let's Mm -hmm. just pick out the narrative books that keep the story moving. And then I'll show you where those troublesome books belong. And the key was that those books are not narrative. Those books are meant to be read in the narrative. And so if you know where they belong and why, right. then they make, they make, they make perfect, perfect sense. Total sense. Right. 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 Total right. sense. In fact, they become, for me, Leviticus is one of the most fascinating books because mm-hmm. I understand where it belongs. Right. And it sings now. It really does. So that was uh, the way we, we built it. And we were pretty honest with people at the beginning. And that is we're going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to be here to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let you get lost. I'm going to show you where all of the, the the areas where people generally get lost, where they're at, fork in the road. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say, follow me. We're, this is the way we're going to go. You'll get it. You'll get it. Yeah. And so for a lot of people, there was tremendous fear. Oh, I don't know if I can do this. Right. And once they're assured, you can do it. Well, how long is each podcast? Yeah, about 20 minutes. So, And you can do... If you're 20 minutes of reading a day for a year is the entire book, the, all the books of scripture. Yeah. Yeah, we did about uh, 20 minutes a day. And then he, father spoke for a couple of minutes, gave a little bit of encouragement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I came in with 12, 12 to 14 big shows where mm-hmm. was, stop. This is where we've come. Right. This is where we're at. This is where we're headed now. Mm-hmm. Let's all get on the same page. Okay. Right. And then encouragement like, Look, if you've been confused, if you feel like, uh, I feel a little lost, I'm not getting everything, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Right. You've got the rest of your life and go through this again. Right. Which is what, what's interesting is we found out that the next January, it all repeated. We were number one again. And for wow. two years in a row, and we stayed in like the top 25 for the whole year. And now the, the stats are showing us that more people are doing it the second year than the first. Wow, that is fantastic. Yeah. And and whose idea was it? Who came up with I mean, I know generally you have your timeline, but how did you pair up with Father Mike Schmitz? He had the idea. He wanted okay. to do it. He okay. he heard another podcast. It was, I think, a, a Protestant podcast where a guy was went through the Bible in a sort of a similar way. Right. And he said, I like to do that. And so we all got together at Ascension Press and, and said, well, let's use the great adventure. That's what we've been using for years to help people understand the Bible as a story. Right. And then let's really work hard at, 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 at stretching it out, not to, not, for, not to three months, but to the whole year. Right. And so a lot of work went into that with reading plans. And, and now we have three books that have been developed that they kind of go through this in a book form, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and then every week when Father was doing his thing, I was on um, I was on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I was answering all the hard questions that week. So every week, people would write in. I guess it was Facebook. Sorry, it was on Facebook. They would write in that week. I didn't understand this. What does it mean there? Father said this, but I don't think. Or why is they killing babies? Why this and that? Mm, right. And uh, 
And so I went on there every week for about a half an hour and I answered five to seven questions mm -hmm. every week that were the tough ones. And so in the new books that have come out, we do have those, those questions on there. And then we're putting the, my part of the questions and answers into a more of a permanent format for right. people to access online. So it's not just a, a devotional tool, it's a learning tool as well as a, a devotional tool. And so I, I think a lot of listeners, when um, they, they don't uh, have an awareness of the difference between the Catholic scriptures and the Protestant scriptures. Can mm -hmm. you just speak sure. about that just briefly for people who um, uh, may not even know that there's, that we have different books. Mm -hmm. We have additional books in our, in our, um, right. in our canons than they would. Well, the, the, you're right. There are two different, there are two different Bibles. The Protestant Bible has 66 books. Mm -hmm. Catholic Bible has 73 books. The, usually the, the argument, which is, is not an argument either way, is that, well, you Catholics added seven books. It's not true. Catholics have said, well, you Protestants took out seven books. That's not true either. So what is true is that uh, there were two canons. There was a Jewish canon, and then there was a Septuagint. And the Septuagint was the Greek form of the Old Testament as right. opposed to the Hebrew form. And the Septuagint, the Greek form, was what the early church used mm -hmm. from the beginning. And that has seven additional books, like First and Second Maccabees and so forth. Right. And so, so when, when Catholics were using the, the Greek Old Testament, that was the norm. Um, when the... When the Reformation came about, mm -hmm. there were some things in those seven books mm -hmm. that the, the, the Reformers didn't like. And so they decided this is the time that we're going to switch to the, the Jewish text. Okay. And, uh, and so they, they switched to that. So neither one added or subtracted, but it's, it was a calculated move. The, 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 the sad thing is, is that if you go to just the 66 books, right. you're missing out on this gap between the Old and New Testaments. There's basically a 400 years of silence if you take out the Maccabees. Right. And so you don't get anything of Alexander the Great mm -hmm. and, and taking you know, uh, all of his land and so forth right. and the great, the great heroic virtue of the Jews during right. that period. And the teaching on purgatory and praying yeah. for the value of praying for the dead. I always feel very bad that they don't get the book of Tobit, which mm -hmm. I just think is one of the most beautiful books great about healing. Story. It's a great love story about marriage. It's one of the most, you know, uh, widely picked marriage readings for wedding, for Catholic weddings from, so marriage and healing mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the respect due to the human body that we bury the human body out of respect. I mean, there's mm -hmm. just, it's just a beautiful story. So I always kind of feel sad that they, they missed that particular book because I think there's so much to be gleaned from it um, for modern life. But what was your favorite book to read as you, you know, as a, as a professional Bible scholar? Did you have a favorite one when you were presenting it? When I teach it? Yeah. Well, no, when or, you were doing it for the, for the, oh, yeah. That, yeah. oh, I like, uh, I like Genesis. I like oh. the beginning. I like the early world because it, the early world has the entire story in a seed form. Right. And it, you just put water on it and just grows wow. and grows okay. and grows and grows. So if you can understand the characters and the problem and the solution in the very beginning, then you, you start to see as you move throughout salvation history, these repetitions. Right. And you know, we've been around this mountain before. We've done this before. Have right. we learned our lesson yet? No. And we move, you know, right. move on. So in the Old Testament, it was that one. Of course, in the New Testament, 
I love Matthew, and I love that uh, you know the, the Messiah came, and right. so everything that Jesus did depends upon your understanding of Jesus. Depends on your understanding of the Old Testament. Of course, so people sure. ask me all the time, "How do I understand Jesus better? What do you recommend?" And I have one answer: get to know the Old Testament, right? Because everything he's doing, it's all Christocentric. Everything he's doing is pointing to the old and he's fulfilling things. Right. But if you don't know that, then you just think he's sort of making up stuff. Yeah, he just showed up and he's doing these doing things. Doing all these cool that, things, yeah. yeah. It, well, so you yourself had a major conversion experience mm -hmm. in your late teens. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I grew up Catholic in mm -hmm. Minnesota, right. um, home of the um, <clears throat> Minnesota Vikings. Right. I thought I would say that on your show. Yeah, okay. I want to bet with someone. Okay. I just want a thousand dollars. I'm just gonna let. Okay. Just gonna let that go right over my head. Go ahead. Um, so uh, I grew up in the in Minnesota, and we. Uh, we're Catholic. We grew up Catholic, very cultural Catholic. Mm -hmm. And that means that went to church every week, every week, uh, went to confession maybe once or twice a year at night before we went to bed, said the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary, grace before dinner. That was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. So I, by the time I was in, in high school, I didn't really know my faith at all, mm -hmm. but I was curious and I was starting to ask questions about life. Mm. And I started reading books on Eastern meditation in my junior year. And by my senior year, I was reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead, wow. the Bhagavad Gita, all of these sort of esoteric books. And I, you know, I was kind of, a, I was actually a shy guy, but, but I was involved in stand-up comedy. Mm. And I ended up winning a lot, and I got some scholarships for acting in California and some places. And and uh, my my best friend, who was also into this, he went out to California, but I stayed in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And I went to my first year of college, and I was going to get rid of you get, get deal with the prereqs. Mm -hmm. And right. and so I became the editor of the paper that freshman year. And it was in that freshman year that I met this young lady, Emily who is my wife now, mm -hmm. and she was so different. She was just different. She was beautiful, but she was different. Mm -hmm. She was so confident, and she was, it was something different about her. So I, I ended up striking up a conversation with her after class one day, mm -hmm. and I got her last name, and her last name was Tobler. Mm -hmm. You've ever heard of Toblerone chocolate oh, from sure, Switzerland? Oh, sure, of course. Okay, yeah. she's not that. But um, <laughs> I struck her. This is there. why you won those stand-up comedy. <laughs> so, so I um, I called, got the information. Back in those days, it was four one one, and I had to call and get the number. Mm -hmm. And I got it. Called her up, and I had talked to her that day for like two hours. You know, I was just loved her. I thought she was amazing. Mm -hmm. And there was something different and pure about her. So I, I called her up and I said, uh, I said, she answered it. And she goes, hello. And I said, Emily, this is Jeff. And she said, Jeff who? And I go, oh, I really made a big game, yeah. you know. And um, I said, well, I talked to you today for a couple of hours. <laughs> and she goes, oh, yeah. That yeah, Jeff. That yeah. And I said, I was just wondering if you want to go out yeah. tonight. And she said, no. Just mm -hmm. like that, too. She said, mm -hmm. no. And I said, and... Why? Yeah. And she said, well, I have to babysit the neighbor's kids tonight. Mm. And I said, okay. Well, what if we go out after your babysitting? She goes, well, I have to do my hair and stuff. I just, not tonight. Yeah. And I said, well, I can wait. I mean, just we'll just go out. And, and I'm thinking, what do nice girls like to do? Because yeah. at that time, I was interviewing rock and roll groups. Mm. And I had long hair down halfway down my back, curly hair, long hair with a leather bandana 
and I had bell-bottom jeans, a yellow silk shirt, and platform shoes like Elton John. So I finally, I said, do you want to go bowling? Hmm. And little did I know, her parents bought her a bowling ball that or Christmas. Wow. You know, <laughs> providential. The miracle, the miracle of, the of the bowling ball. Of the Christmas bowling ball, okay. So she said, well, I said, okay. So I went and picked her up that night, and I knew nothing. And I, I was going to... About bowling? Or about uh, God or bowling. Yeah, okay. But I, I wanted to impress her, you know, so I had my dad's station wagon with the fake wood on the side. Mm. And I drove over there. Those were classy. They were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I had it going. Yeah. And, I, and I, had, um, I had these pictures of, my, of myself in my back pocket of KISS, the group KISS, without... They had blood on everything. It was, mm-hmm. I thought this will impress her mother, mm-hmm. you know, her parents, that I am someone, I do this. So I went up to the uh, door, rang the doorbell. Her mother opens the door and says, come on in. Mm-hmm. And she kind of looks at me like, whoa, you're different. Mm-hmm. Little did I know her mother was a Bible teacher in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. a Protestant Bible teacher. Oh, okay. So I, I went in there and she's, we're waiting for Emily to come down. And, and I said to Mrs. Tobler, I said, oh, here's what I do. I'm the editor of the paper. I'm thinking this is going to impress her. Mm-hmm. I pulled them out and I handed her about five pictures of me with Kiss. Mm-hmm. Ace Freely or Gene Ace Simmons? Ace Freely, Gene Simmons. Well, yeah. it was Ace Freely and Gene Simmons and Peter Chris were in the picture. Right. Oh. And and Gene Simmons had blood coming out of his mouth with his tongue sticking yes. out. And I'm next to him like, wow, look at me. And uh, her mother looked at the pictures and her first thought was, you, Emily, are not going out with yes. this guy. Right, 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 right. And so we, um, she went upstairs to tell Emily she couldn't because Emily was 17 and I was 18. And she said the Lord spoke to her heart and said, let him go. He's going to proclaim the gospel. Really? Wow. And she said, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to have to trust you with this. So we went outside, and I got Emily in on her side of the door, or the car. I got on my side. And before I could start the engine, mm-hmm. this five foot two, 102-pound girl, little young lady, mm-hmm. she looks over at me, and she says, out of nowhere, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> What? I never heard anything like this this before. And I'm Catholic, you know, so I didn't want to disappoint her. So I said, well, yes, I'm Catholic. Mm -hmm. And we had some small talk for about a minute and then still hadn't turned the car on. She says out of nowhere, she said, Jeff, she said, do you speak in tongues? Mm. There's a charismatic family. Right. You speak in tongues? I had never heard the word before. I had right. no idea what she was talking about. But uh, like I said, I didn't want to disappoint her. So right. I said, uh, well, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> I know That's a hard thing to bluff, too. I know. So, yeah. I, and then I wanted to, about a minute later, I wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about. But right. So I was going to ask her that question. Right. But honestly, Mary, I couldn't, I couldn't remember if it was tongues or lips. Oh, no. It had something to do with the mouth. It was tongues, lips, or gums. Yeah. It was something there. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't think what was it. So I took a guess and I said, so, uh, let me ask you a question. You know, like Swabo. Yeah. And I said... Uh, <laughs> Smooth talker that you were, yes. Yes. I said, so, um, you speak in lips? <laughs> and she started laughing. Yes. You know, she As said, she should have. Yes. Yeah. And she said, I, I knew he didn't know anything. Yeah. And that night, she shared with me all that night about her relationship with Jesus. Wow. And I was blown away that I'd met a girl that loved God. And it's really, it's really interesting because when a young lady loves God mm-hmm. and she's transparent about it and she shares that with a young man, the young man's mind begins to 
to change about her. Right. About what he could do, what he yep. could not do, yep. what he's interested in, what he's not interested in. And I wanted to know what made her tick. Hmm. What is this about God in your life? And uh, it, was, it was shortly after that, it was, you know, several weeks after that, I was going over, over to her house every day and her mother was teaching me from the Bible. Hmm. And it was about, I think, two months later, I was driving home and uh, I wanted what they had. Hmm. And I pulled over yeah. on the side of the road on the way home to my parents' house, and I just started crying. Mm. And I, I just started crying, and I said, Jesus, I, I want what they have. I, I, want, I want what they have. I, and they put it in terms of being born again and saved, mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted. Right. And so I did that on the side of the road, and, uh, and from that day till now, all I could think about is that God had called me to teach the Bible mm. from that day yeah. on. And... Uh, I went through some tough times with my family, accepting it, and and then uh, ended up so, going to so, Bible college after that. So you left the Catholic Church? No, not at that point. Okay. I actually went to Bible college in Texas after that. Came out, went through still a Catholic, still yeah, practicing Catholic, yeah, but okay. going to an evangelical school. Okay, and then went to broadcasting school. Right, and uh, got my first job in radio in North Dakota, and it was there that I I left formally left the Catholic Church mm -hmm. and rather dramatic fashion. Mm -hmm. I screamed at a bishop publicly. I would expect nothing less. Yes. You, you, if you're going to go big or go home. That's yes, right, right. I did. And and I went back to school and I became a, a Protestant pastor. Okay. For what denomination? I started, I started with an independent group that was related to the Open Bible Standard right. in Des Moines. And that was a sister denomination to Assembly of God. Mm, okay. And then another, I had um, a couple of years in Iowa, then came up to the Twin Cities. I was seven years as a pastor there, five in Dayton, Ohio. And then I ended up, which is a longer story, studying my way back into the Catholic Church. And I. So, what, I what, at what point? And, and then you, you married Emily. Um, I married as, Emily right? real early on, yeah. Right. We and, were 20 and 19. And um, when you came back into the Catholic Church, did she come with you? She did a year later. She, it was really interesting because I was at Steubenville, both of us were, and I was teaching at Steubenville Scripture and getting a graduate degree at the same time. Hmm. And she was Scott Hahn's assistant, and she wasn't Catholic. It was that year, that first year at Steubenville, that she was in the RCIA program and uh, this experience. So Scott Hahn had already become a Catholic, yeah. but she, he hired her to be his to be assistant as a non-Catholic. It's very interesting. Yeah, and then she studied for a year there and came into the Catholic Church. As I, as I came back, she came in with our, our, we had one daughter at that time. We have yeah. three now. Yeah, it's, you know, I just find conversion stories so not just fascinating, but they're very beautiful about how the Lord um, really pursues us. And we were speaking with Father Dave uh, Pavanka from Steubenville um, for, for a different podcast, and he was talking about um, about how assertive the Holy Spirit can be in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that it's not kind of a passive dove-like, you know, experience <laughs> all the time. That the, the, and so I, I, I'm sure that you can probably see that the Lord being, first of all, to bring you closer to him, but then also to make sure that you were back in with the fullness of the church. Right. Yeah, because when I left the Catholic Church, the last thing I had ever thought of was coming back. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was... I got in a big argument with my dad before I left. We got into a, a fight. Mm. Physically, he got on me and he was upset with me. Yeah. And so I never even thought about going back at all. It wasn't a thought for me. It it all started in Dayton, Ohio. Our church that I pastored was growing fast. Mm -hmm. We needed a new facility. So we went to a Catholic retreat center called Bergamo. 
okay. to rent their area. Oh, to rent space, yeah. Rent space. And so they said yes. And uh, when I went in there to talk to them about renting space, they had already had a mass that day and there was incense. And the sm- this is, I know this sounds funny, but the smell of the incense was what initially opened me back up, mm. was it brought me back. Interesting. Just the incense brought yeah. me back. And that led me to one book, to another, to studying, to reading, to looking into the church fathers. And lo and behold, the church I left was the church I loved. Well, that's really beautiful. Thank you. And thank you for you know sharing that, because I think a lot of people have, you know, um, left the church for either a long time or a short time and may be embarrassed about the fact that they did that. But so it's always really good to hear another person's experience of how yeah. the Lord brought them back to the church. But um, so I hear now, um, like looking forward, Ascension's going to be doing the catechism in a year. Yeah. So are you going to be part of that project? And tell me uh, what's what prompted that to do the catechism in a year? Yeah. Well, you know, for the for Catholics that you have, you have tradition in scripture, right. you know, um, and the magisterium, and that's kind of a three-legged stool mm-hmm. for divine revelation. And so once we did the Bible, which is sort of a no-brainer, to do the Bible in a year captures a lot of people, Protestants, atheists, Jews, Catholics. But the catechism in a year really is a summation of our, our tradition, this mm-hmm. organic and uh, uh, systematic presentation of the faith. Right. It's inaccessible to a lot of people because they don't understand what kind of book it is, how mm-hmm. it's put together. A lot of meta-language, a lot of meta-language. Mm-hmm. Meta-language is the word for the language of the inside group. You know, if I'm a right. photographer, I'm talking about f-stops and zooms and things. Exactly. The yeah. person who uses an iPhone doesn't really, doesn't really care about all that language. Correct. So, so the catechism is a whole different quote-unquote animal than, right. than the Bible. And so it, it seemed natural that, that if we could do the Bible in a year, why not try to do the catechism in a year? But it also means more explanation because mm. we're not dealing with a story here as much, even though the organization of the catechism actually is a story, the right. four pillars. But we're dealing with a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology and councils and saints and, as I said, meta-language. So what we decided to do was to... Um, to go about it this, basically the same way. And uh, there would be Father Mike's part and then uh, that my part would, would facilitate going deeper on what was discussed in those paragraphs. So it's you and Father Mike Schmitz back for the second. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah, you yeah. seem to do a pretty good job on the first one. <laughs> you'll, you'll take him back. Yeah, I mean, that was his, that was his testing time. Yeah, and, you know, so very good. He, he, he passed with flying colors, I he think. He did. He's, yeah. We're still watching him. Okay, but, right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> make, just make sure there's no heresy there or anything like that, you know, right. floating around. <laughs> well, well, Jeff Cavins, thank you so much for helping to edify our audience today and for all you do to edify Catholics, not just nationwide, but worldwide. It yeah. was a great privilege to have well, you here. It was a privilege to, to talk to you too, and I love what you're doing with edify. This is good. Thank God's going to yeah, use it. It's a great gift. Thanks for having me. Oh, great pleasure. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. To make it easier for you to listen to future edify podcast episodes, please make sure you subscribe over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.